If you would, this is going to be a surprise. Open up to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. While you're opening up there to 2 Kings chapter 2 on the first Sunday of Advent, what does Christmas have to do with 2 Kings chapter 2? Well, the answer is actually more than you might think. Uh, Just to uh, give you the full picture, uh, we have been in a sermon series on uh, the life of Elijah, and really it hasn't been Elijah, it's been God's power to save. Uh, That's been the main point that we have seen revealed in this powerful prophet, Elijah. It's been the point of the whole series, but power is not always represented the way we might think. And as we grew uh, nearer and nearer to Advent, I realized, uh uh-oh, I'm one Sunday off. Should I pause the sermon series? Should we go to Matthew chapter 1? two and three should we do some other things and as i prayed and searched the scriptures to see what it was that the lord might have for us i realized there's no need because we can start advent off with a bang right here in second kings chapter two just to remind you elijah has been god's special mouthpiece during this time period that we find ourselves in in israel He's gone toe-to-toe with some of the most wicked kings because, remember, Israel is, unlike Judah, Israel has gone away and sought after other gods, choosing not to follow after that one true God of the Bible. And yet God, in His grace and love and mercy, sent that mouthpiece Elijah to proclaim that good news. Even in power, it is still the good news. And And even as we saw Elijah going toe-to-toe with these wicked kings and and his followers, even as we saw him usher in God's wrath and judgment, we saw him likewise usher in salvation for those that would believe in all of it with that powerful hand. His name, literally, is quite fitting for him. My God is Yahweh, period. (laughs) That's just what his name means, and, and yet it's a great representation of his entire ministry. But, but there's more to come, and, and we're at that hinge in 2 Kings chapter 2, where, where we stop, but I would encourage you to continue if you would be so desirous. God's power to save, it looks like Elijah sometimes. We saw it represented over a large quantity of years in Israel, but more often than not, it actually looks like Elisha the one who is coming after Elijah, whose name literally means, my God, is salvation. So what does Christmas have to do with 2 Kings chapter 2? It shows God ushering in salvation for his people. It shows what God has been about the whole time. It represents God sending his son, Jesus. And this is the main point for us to consider this morning. God's power provides the way of salvation for his people. God's power provides the way of salvation for his people. Let's read. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll read 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. But first, let's pray for this most important reading of God's word. Oh, Heavenly Father, as we do open up your word in a formal capacity, we do pray much blessing upon it. God, thank you for this word that is good for us in and out of season, that is most profitable for teaching and rebuke, for training and for correction. Uh, Lord, 
I pray that this would correct me. Pray that it would correct us as a congregation. I pray that we might seize hold of it. We might take it from here. That it might correct others and it might reveal the Lord Jesus in all. Lord, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to, jo- uh, to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing, yet... If you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other. And Elisha went over. The grass, the flowers fade. And the grass does wither, but this word, it stands forever. This is the true word. We'll have it, as I often say, even in heaven. Uh, This is an interesting one, uh, one where we see Elijah taken up bodily. Uh, We only see that in a couple other places in the scripture. And so may the Lord help us to do justice to such things today. Now, the main point, God's power provides the way of salvation for his people. Here are three points that will help us, I pray, guide us through this text. Number one, God provides patience, persistence, and perseverance. Number two, God provides the double-portioned prophet. And number three, God provides his powerful presence 
to his people. First, then, God provides patience, persistence, and perseverance in verses 1 through 8. And though he does do these things for his saints, that is, providing patience, persistence, and perseverance, though he does do those things for us, for you who believe, that's not who I'm talking about this morning because that's not who the scriptures are talking about. God provides patience, persistence, and perseverance to our representer, our mediator. In this case, Elisha here in the text, ultimately Jesus It's good for us to have these qualities, but it's necessary for your salvation for these qualities to be exhibited in Jesus, whom Elisha is clearly representing. So we see Elisha's patience as he's coming to a very difficult point in his life where his spiritual father is about to depart from him. In verses 3 and 5, different peoples keep asking him the same question. And Elisha keeps answering the same way. Did you notice? Yes. I know that Elijah is about to depart. Stay quiet. Uh, This is actually a more common occurrence than you might think. And if you've ever been in a tough spot in your life, people come up to you and they say, hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? Yes, yes, I'm fine. And then maybe five minutes later, you might see somebody else. Oh, Hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? Yes, yes, I'm fine. Five minutes later, hey, you think, man, is my patience going to last? You've you've felt that before in grief? Some of your hardest moments in your life, in the constant, elongated, hey, I can still hear it. In some of the hardest parts of my life, hey, and it drived, it drove me crazy. I lost it. I lost patience. Everybody has patience until it's tested. We're all patient until we're not, right? Everybody has it until it's tested. But Elisha has it when it is tested, With patience, though, also comes Elisha's persistence. In verses 2, 4, and 6, Elijah tells Elisha to stay behind. And by the way, this is a long trip. Uh, If you look on a map, you can Google it and kind of Google those places. They're coming from way up and going way around. You're thinking, man, that's a long walking trip. And so every time they, they get to one of these key locations, Elijah's telling Elisha to stay behind. But Elisha persists. He Think about this. He disregards the suggestions of the most powerful prophet of the time of his own master. Not once or twice, but three times. Three times is a big thing in Hebrew culture. To say something three times means you really mean it. No, I'm going to follow you. It's like he's promising or Swearing, as it were. When it comes down to it, Elisha stands on his own two feet and decides for himself what he will do next, which was to persist in following Elijah to the end. In the same way, Elisha's perseverance is revealed. Elisha doesn't just speak with his mouth saying, yeah, 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 I'll come with you. I'm going to come with you, okay? I'm coming with you. He actually does it. 
He sees the journey through, a physically long journey, an emotionally long journey, because at the end of it, he, he has to say goodbye, and yet he perseveres. In all of this, we see Jesus who comes in patience. This is, think about this, think about Jesus. This is the God of the universe being born as a little baby, continuing into a full-grown man and never once losing his patience and requesting out of the process. Did you know that Jesus could have done that? Jesus actually makes mention of it. Do you not think that if I prayed for a legion of angels to come, that they wouldn't? They would. Jesus could have requested out at any moment, take me home. I'm done. But he didn't. With patience, he continued in the process of salvation for us. This is the same Jesus who persisted in proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, of making the wrong things right. This Jesus who persevered through severe physical and emotional beatdown that his people might be saved. But there's more than physical and emotional perseverance playing itself out here, right? And we know that because this is a spiritual realm on which we are operating, even us. So... As we think about that, we also see our second point. It's the fact that God provides the double-portioned prophet in verses 9 through 12. As Jesus was nearing the end of his ministry on earth, John and James's mother came and requested something rather unique, something that you don't really hear uh, at all so much. She said, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. And maybe you're familiar with that text and what Jesus says next. You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? This is verses 9 and 10 of chapter 2. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. You have asked a hard thing. Everybody thinks that they want to serve. But not many people are willing to take up the cup of God's wrath into their hand for the salvation of others. Not many people are willing to stand in between the living and the dead. Not many people are willing to remove the shoe and to wash the stinking feet of the sinners of the congregation with a smile and desire to do so, which is the call of the double portioned prophet more and more slavery unto God we are as Paul tells us slaves to Christ our desire is to serve at all times and yet our sin sometimes prevails and instead of being served uh, instead of serving we would rather be served right uh, it, it happens to the best of us now 
but not for the double portion profit. We must not misinterpret the exchange between Elijah and Elisha, between Jesus and James and John's mother. To be a double portion prophet is not to be a popular and powerful celebrity preacher, for instance. Yes, traditionally, and you might be thinking about this, if not, sorry, I'm about to give you some context that maybe you didn't need, but traditionally, the double portion of the inheritance would go to the firstborn son, uh, as we see in the Bible, but also in, uh, and also just in history. There would be this double portion of the inheritance conferred more upon this firstborn who would carry on the name, uh, for instance, in royalty, but also for landowners, uh, all of these different things. But, but what was going to Elisha? What was the call of following after Jesus? And what does it mean to get double of that? We must not misinterpret and think that to be a double portion prophet, to be a pastor or an elder, is to have more prestige or power. It's to have less and less as we serve and prostrate ourselves before the people of God. And if there are people who would tell you otherwise, stop listening to them. Because they have gone against the holy word of God. And this generation, we see it too much. God provides his people the double portioned prophet that they might be saved. This is the one who is most humiliated, who deserves a whole lot and gets nothing who has no fame and only serves, who reveals God's salvation for his people. Elijah spoke well. You have asked a hard thing. Not many are called to true gospel ministry. Even fewer are called to a double portion of such. And only one perfectly fulfills that reality the Lord Jesus Christ himself. God provides the way of salvation for his people. We see patience, persistence, perseverance, God's provision of a double portion prophet, and now we see our third point, that God provides his presence in power. Remember, the focus isn't on us. Though God does provide his presence to us, his people, but it's with even more importance that God provides his presence to the one forging the path of salvation for us. We must not be so self-centered as to recognize and realize that without God working for us, without him doing a work of salvation, we wouldn't have his presence in the first place. Sometimes we, sometimes we chase after God's presence in our lives and, and in pride we don't realize that that presence has gone before. And because of that, it's always with us. God's presence. He, he is with us because of the work he's already done. This most integral work, the fulfilling of the good news, Jesus and his earthly ministry. But, but we see this here. We see this in our text this morning as God continually reveals this gospel throughout all the pages and testimony of his word. Elijah has gone up before Elisha's very eyes. Come back to that. Indeed, the sight was miraculous. 
But what now? Verse 12 of chapter 2. Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And, and he saw him no more. And then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Elisha literally, think about this, he literally carries on the mantle of Elijah, continuing to reveal God's presence among his people. This is fully confirmed when Elisha does the same thing Elijah did to the river Jordan. He asks this rhetorical question, where is the Lord? Pops that cloak right onto the river Jordan just like Elijah did. And the exact same thing happens. What's he saying? He is with me as he was with Elijah. I am going to reveal God's presence, his power to save to you. Even as my father Elijah did. But something is a little bit different now. Remember Elisha's name. My God is salvation. Y'all, it is Christmas time. God provides his presence in the fullest way at Christmas when Jesus comes into our midst. Emmanuel, God with us. Y'all, Sunday school, right? Emmanuel, God is with us. What does Christmas have to do with 2 Kings chapter 2? It has a whole lot. Let me just go through a few things. Before we end, Elijah going up draws our hearts to when he comes back. Do you know that? The scripture's integral, integral. As Elijah goes up bodily, he is coming back in this presence of John the Baptist. And we know that John is the one who leapt for joy in the womb when pregnant Mary came into the room. Speaking of John, Elijah's double-portioned inheritance to Elisha near the River Jordan must draw our hearts to John the Baptist's baptism of Jesus in that very same river where the Holy Spirit himself came and visibly rested upon King Jesus. Elisha's patience, persistence, and perseverance on the long path leading to the difficult day of Elijah's departure was but a shadow of Jesus' coming into this world as a baby boy in a cattle stall and taking that long path leading to the difficult day of his own unjust death. I am a Puritan man through and through. I love the Puritan writings. And one thing that they honed in on was the humiliation of Jesus. I've said it before. I'm sorry. I will say it again because it is so important. They were intent to recognize the vast humiliation that God himself took upon his shoulders to take on human flesh. This is the creator of the world. And he takes on flesh, the likeness of sinful flesh, that he might save his people. How humiliating. How gracious. Here in this text... The last of this series, Elijah has departed. But who took up his mantle? Elisha. My God is salvation. Christmas has come, which means Jesus has come. And have you ever wondered what Jesus' name literally means? We've got Emmanuel. God is with us. But what about Jesus? What about Jesus? 
Hebrew, Joshua, meaning he will save. He will save. He will save. Now consider these things together. Elijah and Elisha. Elijah, my God is Yahweh. Elisha, my God is salvation. Welcome to the full reality of the Lord Jesus, who will save, because he is God, who is with us in salvation. Emmanuel, he will save. God is with us. And so what does it mean for you on this day when we light this candle that some of y'all might even not know or remember because it was 40 minutes ago? It's the candle of hope. We have a hope because of what God has done for us. Romans 8 was read because we don't see it. There is sin and suffering and struggle, trial and error, and yet God is working in Christmas time. It's not a magical time. It's what we see, right? It's a spiritual time. God has drawn into our hearts and minds and very souls a remembrance of the Lord Jesus coming and dwelling with us on that fateful night that changed the entire outcome of humanity. Just like that. Because remember, elsewhere in the scriptures, when God starts a work, God finishes a work. And so as soon as Jesus is born, it's done. Salvation is secure because God's word is sure. That is the gospel of Jesus. And that's Advent going off with a bang. This is a whole lot. I hope you all take it and hold fast to it in this beginning part. Take it to others. Talk about it. This is the hope that we have in Christ. Don't let it squander out and go away for another year. Think about these things, dear ones. Think about your Lord. Think about your Savior, Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we do come to you so thankful. Thankful that you would do a work that you are powerful to save and that that salvation came in a way that we couldn't even imagine, that you yourself would come. So God, thank you. Thank you for this advent, the advent of our hope, the advent of our salvation, the advent of our eternal lives, of peace and joy and contentment. The Advent, Lord, thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.